Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This time on The Kindness Project, Comic-Con, Halloween, and we have part one of our interview with Kim Merry. Hello and welcome to The Kindness Project. I'm joined by a girl who... Um, pushes the button and goes. It's Charlotte Dames. Spilling all my dirty secrets. Uh, and I'm... Filthy! Filthy! <laughs> and, I... <laughs> and I'm joined by a man who doesn't enjoy Comic-Con, but seemed to quite like it the last time right. we went. Let me, let me be clear. There's bits of Comic-Con I really enjoy, and there's bits that I'm less keen on. Okay? Now, one of the bits that I'm, really, uh, I'm less keen on is... Just the repetitive stuff. So do you want to slurp that bit louder for the mic? Or not? <laughs> um, the bits, the bits that I, I actually enjoy, uh, I actually don't enjoy are. I've got a retro gaming console, so I don't need another twelve stands trying to sell me another one. Yeah, but the Viking horns were interesting. Well, these, no, hold on. I was going to come to that. I don't need another uh, retro gaming T-shirt. But let me tell you about the bits I did like. There were some good new games that I got to play that were really good. Grand Blue was one of them, I think. And Viking drinking horns of the future. In, fa- <laughs> in fact, I'm drinking my cup of coffee out of the mug. I'd rather be drinking it out of a Viking drinking horn. I have a friend who went and bought one. And using it for what? Coke. <laughs> <laughs> you meant to have grog in it or beer or something like that. 15. Oh, right, okay, so he's not on grog yet. He's not he, on grog yet. He doesn't enjoy a grog. He's on coke. Why is grog? I don't know. Like, I thought it was like a Viking beer grog. I assume so. I assume know. it's just brewed slightly differently, so they gave it a different name. <laughs> See, I don't know how Viking it is. If I came in, saw you drinking out of your Viking uh, drinking horn. And I went, oh, Charlotte, what are you drinking? You went, hot chocolate. You, do you know what I mean? I don't <laughs> That's think, the kind of I thing I do, the though. Viking drinking horn should be made to drink hot chocolate. A Viking drinking horn is honourable and can be used to drink anything. Okay, fair enough. Mm-hmm. So, uh, unofficial question of the podcast, listeners. What are you going to drink at your Viking drinking horn? But the official question of the podcast... Since today, the release day is... Since today is Halloween, what's your favourite scary movie? What's your favourite scary movie? I don't like scary movies. I like... Get Out. Mm, I haven't seen it. Is that the one with the the family and the mind control thing? Yeah, that was good. Um, It... It chapter one, I haven't seen chapter two yet, but it, chapter one's pretty good. Oh, I drew Reggie when you were watching that. That's a cute dog picture I drew. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that's why you don't watch scary movies. I'm too busy drawing cute dog pictures. Right, uh, there was a movie I used to watch. Um, about I have on, the hole. That's, that's, that's exactly what I was about to say. Uh, it used to freak me out, and I used to watch it again, even though it scared me witless, and it was like... Now, I've got Cassie's waving at me from the kitchen. Cassie, would you like to tell us what your favourite scary movie is? Is it, um, is it a silent movie? Because you're not saying much. Has <laughs> <laughs> it got Charlie Chaplin in? Because that's the only silent movies I know. Um, Who doesn't like a bit of Chaplin, eh? Yeah. I, I, I also think, I mean, when you talk about 
movies that make me both sad and scared. A lot of the ones that make me most sad and scared are real life documentaries and, and, and films about World War II. But they're not horrors, are they? They're... Well, I mean, they're the horror of... A lot of them depict the horror of war. The horror of reality. And that, because it's so close to reality, it can be sometimes scarier than yeah. fiction. I mean, I know Pennywise ain't going to knock on my door, but... Well... <laughs> Penny, Pennywise ain't going to knock on your door and list you for the army, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> Pennywise, I'm coming to get you for the army. I'm coming to get you so you can earn three meals a day and fight the enemy. Um, I don't think that is going to happen, to be honest. But you'll be in it. <laughs> I'm giving you a bayonet. Anyway, listeners, that is the that is the question of the podcast. What is your favourite scary movie? Don't move on yet. And this is how you can get in touch with us. There we go. Oh. <laughs> Almost missed that bit, Papa. Um, Twitter, we're at Olakindness. I was building tension because it's scary movie week. You sound like one of those people of horrible histories. You ain't building tension, uh-huh. you're just building humour. <laughs> I love building a bit of Homer. <laughs> is, that a, is that a word? Homer. What does Homer mean? Homer means whatever. <laughs> you can't even say you can't even say that laughing. Homer. I said it. Homer? But as soon as I said it, my voice drops like two octaves. I was Homer. like. <laughs> Realise it's not two words swooshed together week. That was last week. That was last week. Right. Yeah. So what's your favourite scary movie? And you can tell us. Um, and it, you can inflect your um Homer. Inflect your uh, <laughs> your answers with Homer or not. It's up to you. It can be super se- serious or it could be Homerous. <laughs> <laughs> up to you. Um, so we haven't said that search bar and you can just search it so I'm sure we'll come up I think we're nice people enough um I don't know if nice people has anything to do with it but it was the first thing that came to mind we've got so. a lovely sense of <laughs> anyway um and if you google us we should come to the top and we are yeah I think Homer kindness yeah no. uh, uh at the kindnessproject.co.uk just email us yeah. And we have a website and we have merch. Don't forget the merch. Do we sell any merch? I don't know if we I don't think merch. people buy the merch, right. but it's available. We've got some merch. Yeah, I've got a t-shirt. I might need a we've bigger one soon, but you know. Um, so, yeah, all good. So, we've got all of that available. Shall we crack on with the show? Yes. So, this week, we are interviewing Kim Merry. Nice. And Kim, I met at an event that I attended... She runs Hope for Havery, so it's a local charity to us, mm-hmm. and she helps homeless people locally, and it's um, it's built into quite a big affair where she helps a decent number of homeless people in Havery, and, mm. and her story's amazing. Shall we listen to it? Yeah. Kim, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's really good to have you here. Thank you for inviting me. No, we met, um, uh, we met, and I thought you're 
storing definitely be worth um, sharing with our um, audience. But today we've already had a, had a conversation about standing desks, offices, and your office at the charity. Is it quite a small one, or is it a? It depends because I mainly work out of our transformation program, and uh, okay. and that's quite a small room with four desks in okay. and a photocopier. <laughs> but we do have another office that is more spacious, but that's located at the night shelter. Okay. So okay. yeah. Okay. So uh, I know all about you from our conversation and the research I've done, and our audience done. So tell us a little bit about you. Um, I am a mother of seven and uh, a grandma of almost three. Okay. I want to be coming this when's, week. When's, when? Hopefully this, this week. week. This week. Um, I love family and, uh, um, yeah, I s- kind of set up the charity as well because just my vision and aim for family and to okay. see families caring for each other. So let me ask you a question. Was the aspiration always to have such a big family? Yes. Okay. Um, not seven. Okay. I was certainly thinking four, but in my formative teenage years, I actually found myself coming alongside three women who each had six or seven okay. children. So that probably sealed my destiny. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the age range with your seven? Um, 19 through to 32. Okay, and the grandchildren, how old are they? They are almost four, one, and almost born. Yeah, see, yeah. see that, that is amazing, I love that. Um, did you, I suppose with, with your seven, middle child syndrome is a bit of an anomaly, isn't it? Because there's five in the middle. Um, <laughs> how are they different? Oh my, they are so different. Some of them uh, love reading. Okay. Some of them like socialising with their mates. Um, some, nearly all of them like travelling. Okay. So they're often abroad. Um, so, so different in personality. You'd think that they'd had different parents. Oh, yeah. And who's yeah. the one most like you? Um, at the moment, it seems to be the youngest girl, Rebecca. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, but there's She's variations. Still home, she? She's still at home. And, uh, but as they grow older, each of them are showing frightening traits of both their parents. Uh, what, are the, what are the traits that are most scary that they're showing? Well, definitely the forgetfulness. Okay. And uh, um, so we're always going, oh, you're just like Dad. Yeah. And, uh, but, yeah, just um, art things, gardening okay. things. Um, they say we're turning into our mother. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that <laughs> naturally happens, though, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. I... I'm now the dad of a teenager and certainly uh, there's stuff that comes out of my mouth that 10 years ago I wouldn't have imagined, imagined me saying and it's not dissimilar to what my dad said to me when I was 15 so yeah. I think what comes around eventually goes around doesn't it? Yeah and we we dis- well not despaired but I know my husband despaired that anyone would take any interest in football because he's so keen on football Okay. And uh, it took about 18 years for one of them to sort of support a team. And, gotcha, gotcha. And, uh, but yeah, it's, it's quite funny. Who's, who's your husband's fault? 
he supports Tottenham. Okay, fair enough. You've somebody's got to, so that, that's all right. <laughs> um, and before we start talking a bit about charity, just talk to me a little bit about the sort of how it all started. Okay, well, it started with a kind of vision that I had when before I was married of, uh, of modelling family. And I had an experience where I went and stayed with a friend um, when I was in Polytechnic in Manchester. And uh, basically, her dad didn't go home. Okay. And I remember thinking, he should go home now. Why is he still sitting there and things? And, and over the days that followed, I just sort of came to realise that obviously my own experience of parenting, although great, um, wasn't... Everybody's experience. Yeah, everyone's experience. And, and how must people feel when they haven't had that experience of two parents together? And, and I was engaged at the time and I just said to my husband to me, um, I just really feel that in the future we're going to model family and not be clever, clever people um, who counsel people and things like that, but that we're going to be family to, to quite a few people. And what if, what if, That's an interesting point. So how do you define family? Because family for you is a much broader term than how I potentially define it, right? Yeah, I think it's, um, it's the love that's in the family. So obviously there's lots and lots of different types of family. And... Uh, um, and but so many people are not experiencing the nuclear star family or the, the two parent family and uh, and yet everyone's expected to get married and have a family and run a family like this in some way um, without actually having ever experienced it and uh, what they may have experienced is arguments or just the general detachment that, that comes from that and uh, so we've been really happy to welcome people into our family and uh, whether they've lived with us or not lived with us but over time quite a number of people would have stayed with us some uh, escaping some difficult situation um, sometimes it's been foreign students the times it's been refugees um, and then as time went on it became people with both addictions or had been homeless yeah. and very much um, the overriding kind of thing that they would say is they've never seen how two people work out their differences for example without conflict yeah or or just you know known the dad be in the home um, and or even the mum maybe quite a number of them had lost their mum at an early stage and uh, um, or their relationships with their family had been very very strained and uh, so they'd not been able to communicate properly with them felt listened to um, and for me, um, we never attempted to look like we agree with everything, or with each other. It was more a question of, you know, how do we work this through? Yeah. And uh, so we're not pretending to be something that we're not. Yeah, you're not pretending you're perfect, right? No, so. no, and, and that would be ridiculous, because we're not. And uh, someone's currently living with us, Lee, who's been with us maybe three or four years. And... Uh, 
One of the things that I felt was a real compliment was he said, you're actually authentic when you're in the house, when I'm at work or, or when I'm at church, for example, that it's actually, I'm the same person. Yeah, and, uh, and so I'm not frightened of, of being exposed because yeah, it's, you, it's me yeah. and uh, you know um, and so it's that kind of openness of, of just living your life and, and so many people um, they, they need somewhere to rest and just work out what to do next yeah. um, and to just be gently loved yeah. and, uh, it sounds like you, this has been your life's work do you know what I mean starting yeah. when you were young having a mission um, and then just growing that to, to incorporate the work you do with the charity. Yeah, yeah. What still drives you? I think what drives me is um, people are so lonely when they don't need to be and uh, you know they put up barriers because they've been hurt and uh, and help people to peep outside those barriers because they're going to crush them eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and it might have been the right thing to do at the time to protect themselves from something that was really really hurting them. Um, but ongoingly, it's not a way to live. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you lose the joy as well as the sadness. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You need. You need the. You, 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 you need to live life in a, in a way that you're, you're going through those emotions at the yeah. time, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Tell us a little bit about Hope for Avery in terms of how it's evolved from the work you did in your own life. Okay. Well, in 2010, um, a local police sergeant phoned me and uh, basically asked if one of the people who was street begging at the time and sleeping homeless had stayed in our home. And uh, because he found this a little bit unbelievable and I explained that, yep, this guy Gary had stayed with us twice, detox from heroin twice, um, both times over a two week period and, uh, and that he had returned back to the street. And, uh, and he asked to meet me, and when we spoke, he basically said, what would, you, what would it take um, for you to do this again? And uh, I said, well... With Gary? Or with with Gary, or? yeah. And I said, um, a new husband. So, right, let, let, me just, let me just be really honest, right? Go on. All, Kim, when we spoke before, and as we're speaking now, you know when you turn around and go, I wonder, if I said this to Cassie, I wonder what we'd say. She'd definitely say no to the seven kids, and I think so would I. <laughs> um, but, and again, it's really interesting. There's another lady we interviewed for the podcast, yeah. a lady called Chris Laney, who, uh, who's done this as well. We invited mm. people into that home. Um, and I actually think it's quite a... Quite a brave move, especially when you've got children around, mm. to invite people in. Absolutely kind move. That, like, yeah, so no, 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 that's yeah, fine. But also quite like sort of. Was there ever that challenge of having somebody who's having abuse issues in in your own home? And, okay. and how did you how did you how 
what is your husband's name? Peter. Peter. And did you and Peter talk about that? Was it okay. ever contentious? Well, the thing is, is that um, we've always known the people who we're going to invite for a very long time. Okay. And uh, so they would be people who, um, who we've eaten lunch with, eaten dinner with, um, built up maybe a relationship over a number of either months or years. Yeah. And also, um, we would know their friends. And uh, so that is the biggest thing. Um, because people, when they're homeless, share, are in very close proximity. So they may be sharing a tent, a shed, or just, you know, in a garage together or something. Um, there's nothing hidden in those circumstances. And, uh, and so I would go on recommendation yeah. from other people. Yeah. Um, about those hidden things okay. and uh, because other people would want us to be safe um, as well as your own intuition yeah. um, about are people too interested in your children I wouldn't invite someone over to my home who's asking questions about my daughter for example okay. um, or offering a toy or something um, to be quite frank I'm more anxious about ordinary people okay. um, and uh, because you're on your guard with people who've maybe been homeless or had addictions um, because ordinary people can slip through the net gotcha. Gotcha. and uh, so it's very much how do they interact with your family yeah. how do they interact with me yeah. um, and just that general feeling. And trust in your network. Yeah, and trusting. And yeah. uh, so, for instance, um, yeah, all the people that we've got to know have, yeah. have been that way. It, there was an exception, and but we didn't invite him into our home. There was a guy called Steve, and he really wouldn't mind sharing his story. Um, but I found him collapsed in Romford, and uh, a man in his early 60s and uh, I was just returning home from work and I saw him and uh, some girls were young girls were dealing with him and they'd called an ambulance and I popped my bag into my car and then returned and as I was observing him get into the ambulance I knew that he was probably someone that we would normally help okay. that there was a feeling about this wasn't just an ordinary person who'd fallen over and I remember thinking at the time I'd really like to give him my number um, but we already had someone living with us and so I just shot up a prayer that said if we're meant to meet this person again then just bring him across my path okay. yeah and uh, two weeks later I was visiting someone in hospital and he was standing by the door and, uh, and we kind of shared a lift together, like going up. And I said, did you collapse in Romford um, a few weeks ago? And he said, yes. And I said, well, I was one of the crowd that saw you. And I said, are you homeless? And he said, no. And I thought, hmm. <laughs> there was something in my spirit that was saying that this man is homeless. And he was visiting his wife in hospital. And uh, I said, you know, if there's anything we can do, we're visiting our friend, then just let me know. Let me know. Yeah. Saw him another time in the hospital, once again going up to the lift. 
and he still was not asking for help. The third time, there was some diversion in Romford Town Centre, and uh, and I had to walk a different way to get to the um, get to the drug and alcohol drop-in centre uh, with someone. And going that route, I went past the Salvation Army, and this guy was there with uh, an above us only sky sleeping bag. Um, which you might as well just say I'm homeless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like the advert, yeah. and uh, and he saw us, and uh, and basically I said, look, you're homeless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just admit it, and uh, um, and then his story came out, and he'd only been homeless that week, and he'd lost his property because his wife was ill, and uh, he wasn't very good at managing their finance, and in the end. You know, it caused a big problem because she he'd basically lost their property, right. and uh, so anyway, we arranged because it was the morning to meet him in the evening. Asked him to come back and watch a video um, if he wanted something to eat, and he could have something to eat. But I wasn't available in the day, but yeah. to do that in the evening, yeah. and I said, but. I am going to have to bring you back because yeah. he was sleeping behind the Salvation Army and uh, I said because we don't know you, yeah. I'm simply going to have to bring you back. So we had the evening and this is where although your emotions are saying this is a really awful thing to do, um, you know you know, with your proper head on that it's the right thing to do for your family. Yeah. So yeah. we dropped him off and uh, and then made an arrangement to see him later on in the week. He was terrified of sleeping rough because he had no experience of it. And I actually said to my husband, I know we can't invite him into our home because this man doesn't have any recommendation. Um, he's someone we don't know at all. And, uh, but we said we'd be happy for him to sleep in our minibus um, nearby the park. Okay. And, uh, and he was absolutely delighted with that. And obviously there's a risk he could have stolen it. As it happened, he couldn't drive. And uh, so for quite a long while, he slept there while we were sorting out how to accommodate him and getting to know him better. Um, and even the police stopped him, asked him why he was in the minibus and, uh, and rang me and I said, it's fine, we're quite happy for him to be yeah. in our bus. Yeah. Um, and so that was an example where that's the precaution that we took, but we gotcha. still helped him out. Yeah, 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 that's quite a nice middle ground, isn't it? Yeah, so, and then yeah. with the help of the church, we helped house him. Okay. Um, and we've still got that property, actually. Okay, yeah. so, sorry, we're on a complete tangent I know, there. I know. That, that, that was really useful to, to understand how even if you couldn't house people, you'd support somebody there. So you're speaking to the sergeant, it's Dave, isn't it, the original story, is it Dave? Yeah, though, the Gary was Gary. The, the guy who was being helped, was speaking to Sergeant Darren Heppel, who's still in Romford, and, uh, and so he, so I said I'd need a new husband, and it wasn't that Gary had harmed us in any way, it was, what was the point? Kind of thing, yeah. like from my husband, and uh, um, because because he'd gone back. Yeah, class, yeah, right? and uh, that maybe he needed some other type of help, and we he was happy to sort of make that happen. Um, but with the offers of help and things, um, we decided to give it a go again, 
And, and that was the beginning of a relationship um, with the police sergeant, who then invited me to a meeting with 11 other police officers, um, some advising the government, and someone who had been flown down from Scotland, who'd worked with lifers for 30 years, doing a similar thing, having people live with him who who'd actually just come out of prison and supporting them. Yeah. Um, and uh, so he saw some similarities and wanted to link us together. Yeah, yeah. And they basically said the police cuts were coming in 2011 and, uh, and that a really effective way of reducing crime is to engage with the people who would commit the crime, commit the crime. Yeah. Um, and actually sort out the root cause, yeah. which... I was finding really incredible um, because you kind of have a specific image of the police and uh, and obviously they have a real understanding yeah. um, of what are the drivers for people to commit crime. And, and that's things. the key point, isn't yeah. it? It's, you know, it's that prevention and cure challenge yeah. where you've really got focused on what's causing this, the, yeah. these people yeah. who have got challenges in their lives to want to go out and, and commit crime. And one of the, you know, one of the examples he gave was, and after this I'd met so many people who said when it got colder they committed crime just to go back into yeah. prison yeah. because they knew no other thing. They, 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 get fed. Yeah. they didn't have rent deposit money, they didn't have guarantors, um, they were completely stuck and so they'd do something edgy enough to get them inside again. And, uh, and so they understood the pattern. Um, and also, you know, being homeless leads to more addiction. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so if you start off homeless without an addiction, after a year, you're definitely going to be addicted to alcohol or drugs. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, so there's stats kind of to back that up. Why do you think that is? Um, because it's cold and because they feel very hopeless. And, uh, like yeah, and one of the main things um, people think that you know the main thing that we do is house people. Um, the main thing we do is try and get them to believe that life is worth living. Yeah, it's hope, isn't it? Yeah, and that's why hope is in in the name um, because people feel so hopeless and yeah. and quite frequently. Big grown men. The moment you start speaking to them, they just burst into tears. Yeah, I think, I think, I think you're right. And I think, like, if you think life's worth is worth living, you make an effort, don't you? Yeah. To live, live yeah. your life in a way, but you lose that aspiration. I suppose yeah. you, it's difficult to to see for the next day. And all it takes is some not so great experiences to change your perception on that. Yeah. How easy is it to reverse? How easy? Well, once they come to Hope for Havering, we can assess them. We, we're looking, you know, how are they physically well? How are they mentally doing? Um, do they have an addiction? Do they have a mental health problem? And uh, um, what other barriers are there to them being housed and it being successful? Mm. So we're linking them to the services that, that will make a successful tenancy, um, that will help them be well enough to be able to access everything they need to be housed. Mm. And then when that's in place, um, including if they're not on benefits and helping them get their ID and, and everything, 
Um, then we can accept one of the landlord referrals. Every day we're getting referrals from um, of three or four studio flats um, all around London. And, uh, and once someone's well enough and has the right documentation, then we can link them to that. Okay. So that can be within days if they're up and ready to go. But more usually, it's more like six weeks to 12 weeks. Yeah. yeah. So what did you think of the game, then? It was good. Is that the first part or the second part? First part, the second first part, part, next week. Nice. Shall we get on with the end of the show? Yes. Tis the end of another podcast. Are you, uh, are you glad that... Um, uh, are you glad that your little sister's not with us this week? Because she is a bit... Like, at the end of that, you went, nobody's going to hog my lamb like this week. <laughs> this is the only bit where I get to shine. Yeah. Also, since it was Halloween, I tried to sing it a little bit. because A bit I was, scary. I was thinking about Phantom of the Opera. All yeah. right. I thought you were going to show, show us your sense of Homer. 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 Um, <laughs> I've got a right sense of Homer, right? Homer's Odyssey. Um, <laughs> Homer at the Simpsons. Um, right, okay. So, last week's question of the podcast was... Um, Silly words. Well, words that were made up and potentially combined to other words. So, we've got a few answers. Um... Judith Hutchins had a couple of suggestions. She says, congratulations, well done, and <laughs> multificado. And she hasn't told me what, the, what they mean. So what do you think multificado means? Dead avocado. <laughs> Dead uh, I think it means mortified, like physical, and avocado. Multificado. Answers on a postcard or an email or tweet. What does multificado no, mean? You know, like mortification, the mortuary, and then avocado. You think it really means dead avocados. Why would you need a word for dead avocados? Because they're dead and they deserve some respect. <laughs> <laughs> I treat my dead avocados with a sense of Homer. <laughs> um, uh, Alison Hagen says... Confusement has occurred. That might be confusion and amazement. Mm -hmm. I quite like that one. And Al McCann said, I've got loads. Unfortunately, I can't be one that's not foul language. So he's, <laughs> he, he's got a few that are probably combinations of, uh, of um, uh, different swear words. <laughs> um, and John Cook, friend of the show, has come up with one. Shombers. Now, let me tell you the story behind this, right? Mm -hmm. That's actually a swear word that me and John used to use when we were kids because we couldn't actually say real-life swear words. <laughs> so we used to use shombers as another more obscene word that starts with SH. I'll let you fill in the blanks. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, uh, Misha Oskins uh, finally said... Wow, because it's got two W's. Ooh, ways of wow in the world, it means. <laughs> Is it an allergy or an acronym? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, that's her word of the day. And that, my friends, it's is the it. End. That was a quick one. That, my friends, is it for a, another episode of The Kindness Project? Oh. Uh, it is a quick one this week. Um, goodbye. Bye.